Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Thursday, April 27th, and you are listening to Rocket City Lift. Welcome to Rocket City Lift. I'm Tara Bulcher. And I'm Brett Goodman. And we come to you and try to bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. We're going to read the story of the building of the early church. But before we do that, let's check in with each other. Brett, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm doing well and excited. I've been away at a conference for the past few days, which was lovely, but it's always good to sleep in your own bed. And to be honest, I was really terrified that my wife would have a baby while I was gone. Your baby, it should be noted. (laughs) (laughs) Not just a random baby. Not just a baby, (laughs) but my baby. Uh, And she didn't, uh, which uh, we're both excited about. But now she's ready. Uh, We made it through that. You're Um, so close. uh, And so, yeah, uh, I slept well, which was wonderful. How are you? I'm great because you're back. Um, it's great to have back, uh, Brett back in the office. I've missed him. And um, otherwise, I'm doing good. Honestly, I have a softball game to announce today. So that's a little bit of a bummer. But I think there are only one more week of games. And I told Ryan last night, for those of you who are new to this, I've been the announcer for my kid's softball game, and I hate it. You want to give us a little just like test of like what, what, no, what announcing? No, I really don't. <laughs> But I told Ryan last night, I was like, Ryan, I love you. I'd do anything for you. I'm not being your announcer again. And she was like, but you're good at it. I was like, I'm good at a lot of things, kid. I'm not doing them all. I'm good at a lot of things I don't like. And totally. I'm going to veto yeah. this one. I can make a bed like nobody's business. I don't really want to do it all the time. That's a great um, Let's, Brett, have you seen the Holy Spirit at work? Yeah, absolutely. This conference I got to go to, it was... Um, it's predominantly younger pastors uh, of the cohort that was led by experienced pastors near the end of their uh, ministries. And I got to see the Holy Spirit work in so many different ways, both hearing the stories of where people are at. And these colleagues were throughout the South and in the Midwest uh, at, at some of these larger churches. And I think where I saw the Holy Spirit most evident um is in these young pastors' love for the church yeah. uh, and hearing the stories about how the church loves them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so uh, you and I experience every Sunday, um, we experience the love of the church, we feel the love of the church. I, for me, incredibly real on Sundays, and then you go mm-hmm. through the week and you're like, ugh, I missed Sundays. <laughs> uh, and so this was six days of, of feeling that kind of, uh, feeling of love for the church, not just in a morning, but through the whole day. And so I'm just, I'm feeling very full right yeah. now. Yeah. How about you? Uh, so I've had two instances and they're kind of the same thing. Um, today I have a mentor that I meet with once a month and like we were discussing some stuff and it occurred to me that I was hearing what I needed to hear and I hadn't even asked the question. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it was like, this is what I need. And I didn't even know it. And then another example is I've got some Con Ed coming up and they sent us some readings to do before it. And I was reading them and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I needed. And I Mm. didn't know it. And I just feel like that's always the work of the Holy Spirit when there is 
a question I don't even know to ask that gets answered. Hmm. It's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. Mm. That is a beautiful thing. Sorry to interrupt. Would you pray for us? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that your spirit shows up uh, when we are not expecting it. Mm. We thank you that your spirit guides us and moves us in ways that we are unaware we thank you that your spirit knows us intimately and transforms us. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. So friends, the story we're going to read is from the book of Acts. It's the 10th chapter, and it's almost all of the 10th chapter. It's verses 1 through 35 and 44 through 48. This story is traditionally called the conversion of Cornelius, and it's such a great story that Brett and I are just going to take the time to read the whole thing to you. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? He answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him, and after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens open, and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now, while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision that he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. They called out to ask whether Simon, who is called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Look, three men are searching for you. Now get up, go down, and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? They answered, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging. The next day he got up and went with them, and some of the believers from Joppa accompanied him. The following day they came to Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. On Peter's arrival, Cornelius met him and, falling at his feet, worshipped him. 
But Peter made him get up, saying, Stand up, I am only a mortal. And as he talked with them, he went in and found that many had assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius replied, Four days ago at this very hour, at three o'clock, I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. The man said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying in the house in the home of Simon, a tanner by the sea. Therefore I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. Tara, what is the significance of this text? Why do we read it? So this is really um, a huge shift um, for what the church is going to be. Until now, those who were the disciples were Jews who had been circumcised and faithful Jews who then came to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Their expectation is that the church will be formed of people who are Jews and come to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And even though there have been times in the Gospels where Jesus has healed or ministered or welcomed in a Gentile, this is still their expectation. Because don't we all have that expectation that people are just going to be like us? (laughs) And so this story is, I think, the most pivotal pivotal in the new church history because it opens it up to anyone. Mm -hmm. It opens it up to all those Gentiles. And so we read this because before this time, you and I would not have been invited into the church. Um, The majority of the world would not have been invited into the church. And so for the Holy Spirit to work in this way is just revelatory and amazing. And, you know, it's often called the conversion of Cornelius, but it's really about the conversion of Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter, who had this idea of what the church was going to be and has it all torn away so that Gentiles can be welcomed in. And I think what I love about this is that there are so many times where Peter's trying to catch up with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit does something else again. So, for instance, I'm talking way too fast because I'm so excited. <laughs> in the first vision, you know, when God shows him what is clean and unclean, that goes against Holy Scripture for Peter. 
right? Yeah. For yeah. Peter, there is definitely clean and unclean. Mm-hmm. There is definitely profane and holy. Leviticus so, spells it out pretty yes. clearly. And so for him to have this vision challenges what he knows about Scripture, and he's trying to catch up. Yeah. And then right after that, when the, uh, the Holy Spirit gives him the vision that these three men are coming, the most amazing thing is when Peter invites them inside to have Gentiles in a place where you are was unheard of. It's another boundary transgressed. And it just goes on from there. Um, you know, in the early church, it was believed that the disciples baptized you and then you received the Holy Spirit. But in this case, the Holy Spirit comes upon the Gentiles and then they baptize mm-hmm. them. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's like boundary after boundary is transgressed and poor Peter's just trying to hang on and be faithful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think of the significance of this text, and who do you think is really getting converted here? Yeah, that um, I just want to continue on with that that point about the Holy Spirit of the Holy Spirit. Um, twice interrupts um, kind of Peter's uh, fidelity or even his spiritual practices. Um, Peter goes up to pray, and something happens uh, probably to say his prayers, to go through them, to be close to God, and something happens completely outside of his expectation. This is, I think, one of the—you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is the only time Peter doesn't finish a sermon uh, because (laughs) Because the Holy Spirit Spirit interrupts it in the midst of it. Uh, While Peter was still speaking, uh-huh. the Holy Spirit fell upon all Ooh, who heard the word. that's such a good point, because it's not even that they shared the word. It's yeah. that the Holy Spirit does this work. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and uh, you know, I'm sure you and I have had sermons that we were halfway through, and we're like, please, Holy Spirit, <laughs> yeah. fall. Interrupt me at any time, <laughs> like, It's all any yours. Time. Take it. Um uh, but the Spirit, similar to what you described and how you had seen the Spirit worked at the very beginning, is showing up and moving before ways that we are even prepared to receive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is so evident throughout this uh, entire scripture. Uh, I think you've hit on uh, the significance on this text so well and lovely. And uh, I think I just want to like microscope in on a couple of things that I to, to make it so evident that this is now opened up for everyone. Um, you know, this happens for, to a, uh, not just to a Gentile, but to a centurion, um, to someone who is commanding uh, the imperial army, who is also um, in charge of um, uh, governmental works within the city. Uh, it happens in Caesarea, and Caesarea was that was the the center of the imperial following cult. It's uh, the about, yeah, yeah, and and so we see this shift of of places, right? Of everything's pretty much happening in Jerusalem. Now the spirit's descending upon uh, the bad guy, <laughs> the leader of the bad guys, um, in the bad guy's home turf. Uh, the spirit is descending upon them in Caesarea, which is they had a temple to caesar with a 30-foot statue of augustus i mean this was this was not where god resided in caesarea Um, but then it also subverts our expectations of cornelius was uh, faithful faithful. um that that the spirit and the grace of god can work outside of the bounds that we have put up in the church even before again we are ready uh and it prepares 
Cornelius for this moment, um, that, that Cornelius has made this choice to follow and to, uh, to do the good that he has felt called to. And then when the whole of the truth is available to him, mm-hmm. uh, he enters in fully. Don't, haven't you met people like that where they're just wonderful people who are searching uh, and mm-hmm. then they experience Christ yeah. and they just jump in with they've been both feet both feet uh, and what's interesting about Cornelius too is he's like he's a tither to the synagogue that will never let him be a part of the community yeah that's how strongly he feels about who the God of Israel is quite, quite strong quite stronger than um, uh, probably many of the uh, very faithful yep. people who, mm-hmm. who, who went um, uh, what what else stands out to you in, in this story, or what can what can we take away from it? That you I find? think the thing I hear in the contemporary church today, you know, we welcome anyone. Mm-hmm. We welcome people who are different than us, and that's great. And I think Peter does that when the three men come and he welcomes them to stay with him. But this passage ends with. Peter staying with Cornelius for several days. Hmm. There's an intimacy to their relationship. They sit down. They break bread together. They go to sleep in the same place. You are not supposed to just welcome people. You're supposed to like envelop them in the community, be close to them, treat them like a brother or sister. And I think that that's such a good lesson for us because it's not just about welcome. It's about making a brother or sister out of the person. And um, I think that's something that only the Holy Spirit can do. But I also think in Peter and in Cornelius, you have people who were open to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So I can't force the Holy Spirit to dance whenever I want, but I can do my darndest to be open to the Holy Spirit and where it leads me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's key to this text, too. That's a a great point. And, um, And Peter has grace, you know. Oftentimes when we come together with people who are different than us, it's like pretty charming and great in the beginning. Uh, and then they do something um, that that is scandalous or frustrating or uh, and and that's where a separation happens, right? Mm-hmm. This happened, I mean, um, Peter walks in, Cornelius falls at his feet and worships Peter. One of the most offensive things he can do for mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of a, of a Jewish person, too, who is there's one God and one God alone. Yep. But it also is a negative stereotype that every Jewish reader and Peter would have been like, ah, these Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they don't they even just, know what to do. They don't even know. And this is classic. They just worship whatever they see in front of them. This is classic them. Uh, but Peter corrects. He stays uh, and and their relationship deepens. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think that is a crucial part of what happens when uh, when they make a mistake, when they do something scandalous, when they upset the balance of the community. Where where do you go next? Yeah. Um, and and Peter stays and talks and corrects. And you know what's interesting is that, and I've had this experience when the Holy Spirit is with you and you know it's the right thing to do. You move through it and it feels like everything's great. In the very next chapter, Peter's going to go back to the church in Jerusalem. And you know what they're going to say? Ooh, you ate with him. Yeah, they're not yeah. upset that they baptized him. They're not upset that the Holy Spirit may have come upon them. They're just disgusted that he ate with them. And so I think there's also an element of the Holy Spirit is with Peter. The Holy Spirit is also saying, this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard for you. But can you trust me even in that? 
Um, and so I think it's important to remember that, um, you know, that is the level of how the disciples felt about Gentiles. They're just grossed out that they even ate together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, to to come together to be open to everyone may mean that you have to give up something. Yes. Peter had to give up how he held and understood the scriptures Mm -hmm. for his entire life and had not just how he had followed them, but how he he had lived them. Mm -hmm. uh, And he had to let that go. And that is anxiety inducing and terrifying and Mm -hmm. scary. and he does. And you know, uh, it's interesting because he doesn't throw out all of Scripture. No. He just knows that God is doing a new thing. Mm-hmm. And we have to be a people. We are always led by Scripture, by the heart and tenor of it. But we also know that God is at work in the world, and we're to pay attention to that. So I just, this really for me is a story about the conversion of Peter. Mm-hmm. And I love every bit of it. And I hope that, I, I find myself thinking, okay, who is it? that I, in my heart of hearts, am kind of disgusted by or who challenges me. And have I prayed for the Holy Spirit to come into that relationship? Yeah, yeah. I just just don't want to be challenged in that way. So I'm like, well, you know, Peter prayed sometimes. I prayed sometimes. Maybe the Spirit will just show up and then I'll do it. But I'm going to leave you with this quote by Leo Tolstoy. Everyone thinks of changing the world but no one thinks of changing Oh, I should have scrolled further down Uh to see that was the Uh quote. (laughs) Hey, friends, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next uh, Monday with the sermon, and I'm sorry, next Tuesday with the sermon, and next Thursday with our discussion. We hope you'll join us then. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and in the life everlasting. Amen. Amen.